0: Good morning, church. Good morning, church. We're going to be at John chapter 14, verse 1 through 14 today. John 14, 1 through 14. There's a quote that is on my mind a lot as I think about the task of preaching. And it is this. It is, the quote is, A Christian should have the Bible in one hand and a newspaper in the other. It's by a theologian named Karl Barth. But the idea is this, is that we have the scriptures which are our guide to truth. They are our guide to who God is, what he thinks, who we are, what we should do. It is our infallible guide. But that scripture has to be applied. And it is applied to a particular context. And the context is, is uh, the, the report of the context is the newspaper or the, the current events. And so we, we read the scriptures With with the understanding that they are the truth, and then say, well, we have a particular context, a society that we live in, and our scriptures have to be applied to that. It is my hope and my aim, and every sermon that I am preaching with the Bible in one hand and newspaper in the other, because the scripture applies. It applies. So let's let's begin in mind that we are under, want to understand the scru- truths of the scripture and want them to be applied to our present context text. So John 14 verse 1. This is Jesus speaking. He says, "Don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my father's house are many rooms." If it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? If I go away and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, so that where I am, you may be also. You know the way to where I'm going. Lord, Thomas said, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will also know my Father. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Lord, said Philip, show us the Father, and that's enough for us. Jesus said to him, have I been among you all this time, and you do not know me, Philip? The one who has seen the Father Excuse me, the one who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? And the words I speak to you, I do not speak on my own. The Father who lives in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Otherwise, believe because of the works themselves. Truly, I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do. And he will do even greater works than these because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name. I will do it so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I ask that you would speak to us uh, through your word, that you would provide for us the lens, the glasses, if you will, of how we see what is going on inside of us and around us. Lord Jesus, we need your help, your mercy, your truth, and your grace. Would you provide that for us with the preaching of your word this morning? Amen. Amen. Now, if you notice in the text, it starts off saying, don't let your heart be troubled. So the question is, why were they troubled? Well, Jesus had already told them that he was going to die and that he was going to go away soon. So the teacher, the leader, their master was going to die be away from them. Not only that, Jesus foretold that some of them would actually betray him and that all of them would flee and deny him. If this is the news that you had just heard, I promise you your heart might have been troubled. Now for this to mean something for us today, we need to ask ourselves, are there reasons for our heart to be troubled? Are there reasons for our hearts to be troubled? Now, I can't speak for you, but I can speak for myself, and I'd say, why, yes, there is a reason that my heart has been troubled. Over the past couple months, I, I've just been reminded about death. You know, when the pandemic began, it was this news about people dying and the numbers going up. And I, and I realized that every death is, is the death of someone who was created in the image of God. But not only that, we have seen the recordings of the death of black and brown people. And I'm reminded that each death is the death of someone made in the image of God. Matter of fact, the image of God is what bestows on us is what gives us dignity. It's what defines our worth. And so when you hear somebody asking, "Does my life matter?" They're saying, "Do I have dignity? Do I have worth?" That is what the conversation has been about. So I see the the death of people from a virus, the death of people who look like me on camera and, and, and seeing that this is a question and a, and, a, and a pain brought about because the image of God is being assaulted. And then in the face of the image of God being assaulted, we have the dismissal of pain. That's why my heart is troubled. Not only the dismissal of pain, but then the ongoing strife that has ensued. The ongoing physical, verbal strife. And again, we must say, the image of God is being assaulted. The image of God is being assaulted. Indeed, that is the reason for the trouble in my heart, and that might be the reason for the trouble in your heart. And everybody, everybody is afraid have trouble in their heart. Because when they see people, when they see communities, when they see situations in which the dignity of every human being is not affirmed, then there is strife. And so the question, my friends, is this. Where is God and what is he up to in our trouble? Where is God and what is he up to in our trouble? It is easy to believe that he has gone away and that he does not care. But in the moment that the disciples would look around and say, if you're leaving Jesus, you probably don't care. Jesus has other words for us. In verse 1 it says, don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in God believe also in me, and my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? If I go away and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, so that where I may be, excuse me, that where I I am, you may be also, and you know the way I'm going. He says, don't be afraid, but believe. The same trust that the disciples had in God was to be applied to Jesus. Jesus is God in the flesh. And he's saying, now you've, you've heard of the Old Testament promises. I want you to put your trust in the promises that I'm giving to you. Now, listen, the, the disciples, they didn't just have a generic trust. They trusted in what God said, his word. The, whole, oh, the reason that they're following Jesus was because God said that he would send a Messiah, a savior and a deliverer to deliver and save his people. And because God had said that, the disciples would say, well, we believe that this person that God has promised is Jesus. And So because God has said it, we were going to do something about it. So when we say, we, Jesus is saying, trust in me, believe in me, he is saying, I have specific words and specific promises to give you. So for, for promises to provide hope, they must be specific. Right? We need to understand what are the specific things that Jesus has said. It goes beyond what well, is going to be all right. No, he has specific things that he will do. Promises that we can cling to. Believe in God, believe also in him. And Jesus will bring us where we long to go. He says, I'm, I'm going to bring you to my father's house. And the Old Testament and the New Testament talk about God, the place where God's, God dwells is the place of his glory. There's a bit of a description in Revelation 21, verses 3 and 4. It says, then I heard a loud voice from the throne. Look, God's dwelling is with humanity and he will live with them. They will be his peoples and God himself will be with them and will be their God. Listen to this. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Grief, crying and pain will be no more because the previous things have passed away. What what, what this this hope is is that, that, that the place where God dwells is the place where his character, his attributes, and his goodness dwell. And he's saying, I am going to prepare that place for you. The source of goodness and joy will be there, and that goodness and joy will wipe away every pain and distress that has assaulted you in this life. He says, I'm going to prepare a room for you. Man, that's crazy. Our king, our king is going to prepare the place where we will stay. You know, usually that's a servant's job. Maybe the servant will prepare a room, prepare the bed, prepare these various things, make it tidy and clean. But Jesus, our king, in his service, says, what I am about to do is going to provide the service for you to go and be in the place Where God is, God God is. And he says, the idea is it's a bumpy ride, right? It's a bumpy ride to get to this destination, but we know where it leads to. This road of life is full of potholes, twists, and turns. But beloved, if we are in Christ, we know the destination. The place where God dwells. And pain, strife is done away with. He says, I'll come back to get you. He does not only send you a map or or give you a Google app without service. He himself comes. In our strivings to be in a more perfect place, Jesus says, I will come. I will take you by the hand and I myself will lead you. He takes us to this place of glory and grace. Beloved, that provides hope. No matter if you feel like we're in a pothole or if the car itself is broke down, we understand that Jesus himself will come, get us, and take us to the place that we need to go. Not only that, Jesus pr- promises to reveal God to us. You know, look at verse 5. Lord, Thomas said, we don't know where, we're go- where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And if you know me, you will also know my Father. From now on, you do From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Lord, said Philip, show us the Father, and that's enough for us. Jesus said to him, have I been among you all this time, and you do not know me, Philip? The one who has seen me has seen the Father. Beloved, he is saying, when you are searching for God, what he is like, what he says, what he would do, you look directly at Jesus. He makes this crazy claim. He says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. So Jesus is the way to God. He provides access to God. Listen, listen, we spend our lives striving for the the divine, even if we don't say the divine, this striving for this ideal of good and justice and peace. It is actually a striving for the God who produces those very things. And Jesus is saying, listen, if you want to get to the source, you have to come through me. And Jesus, by his grace, shows us the pathway to God. Not only that, he speaks God's truth He speaks the truth about God's mercy, his grace, his justice, his love. Beloved, we want to hear the truth about God, the truth about what he thinks it is found in Jesus. He not only shows us the way to God, he not only reveals to us the truth of God, he gives us the life of God. That, that vitality, that, that energy, that, that eternal life that, that, that we get through connection with the source of all life, Jesus provides that for us. Beloved, that is not a promise that is in some distant future. That promise is ours right now, that we have the way to God in Jesus, that we have the truth of God in Jesus, that we have the life of God in Jesus. That is encouragement for us right now. He says, knowing Jesus is knowing the Father. Why does this matter? Oh, the Old Testament has so many names for God. It calls him the rock he calls him the strong tower, the refuge, the temple, the mountain that is up high that enemies cannot get to. This connection to the one rock in which our hope lies, where, where the, the, sand, the, the waves and the winds of the times would seek to push us this way and that. Jesus is saying, when you know me, you are connected to the rock, the refuge, and the strong tower. Beloved, we live in this world. In this world that is messed up, in this world that seems like the foundations are shaken, we live in this world connected and anchored to the rock because we know him in Jesus. The whole idea of of having the Bible in one hand and the newspaper in the other, I tell you, only one of those gives you stability. and That is the rock. Who is our God? In Jesus, we see his compassion, his love, his care, his truth, his anger towards sin, his anger towards oppression. We see all those things in Jesus. It's like they're identical twins. Philip's like, Yo, I want to see the Father. And Jesus' is like, You looking at him? I look just like him. I act, I speak. I do what he does. Beloved, that's a promise for right now. So we have a hope in the future that Jesus will take us to the place where his father dwells, where there will be no more pain, suffering, and tears. And right now we can be connected to the father, that we would have stability, life, and even joy in the middle of frustration. And not only that, he gives us some specific promises for what we can do right now. Verse 11, it says, Believe me that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me. Otherwise, believe because of the works themselves. Truly, I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do. And he will do even greater works than these because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, I will do it so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. In other words, he's saying, Trust in Jesus produces the works of Jesus. Trust in Jesus produces the works of Jesus. What did he do? What are the works, right? People all the time were marveling at the things that Jesus said. They would hear him teach, saying like, we ain't heard nobody say this. Nobody is taught like this. What did he teach about? Jesus spoke about justice to the powerful. Jesus spoke comfort to the weak. Jesus was not soft on sin. And Jesus offered grace to all. Do you understand the complexity to speak all of those things? The wisdom it takes to apply it? Beloved, the works of Jesus is this, the, the complexity of truth spoken with power and consistency. Not only did he speak God's word, he displayed Holy Ghost power. Jesus is the one who would cast out demons, who would heal the sick. He would do the miraculous. Here's the thing, we do not have to choose. We do not have to choose whether we will speak the words of de- Jesus or demonstrate the power of of Jesus. The work of Jesus is holistic and supernatural. Jesus wants his followers to walk in his fullness. Beloved, that means that we speak what is true. We bring comfort to those who are weak. We confront those who are in sin. We speak about the the justice that God desires and the holiness that God desires within the heart. We speak the complexity and the holistic nature of God's word because that is the work that Jesus has done. But we also realize that our words, our words are not powerful unless they are accompanied by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit produces this holiness in us and it produces this this ability to do things that don't make uh, a human sense. We don't have to pick and choose, beloved. We need to stop making false dichotomies. Jesus was the one who called down God's power through prayer. The one who spoke God's truth in every circumstance. Now he says, the one who has faith in me will do the works that I've done. Now what is this faith? Faith is not a simple thing. Faith is robust. We have faith by believing what he did, right? That his substitutionary death was for our sin. We have faith by trusting in him. That's a present tense, meaning that we presently trust that he is in control. And beloved, we have faith through displayed allegiance to him. When you say that you believe someone, that you have put your trust in someone, the actions of that belief are that you then do what that one says. Allegiance to Jesus produces the works of Jesus. We will not have the boldness to pray crazy prayers, we will not have the boldness to speak uncomfortable truth without allegiance to Jesus. But we have a promise that he says, I will produce this work in you. Prayer through Jesus sets the path and provides the power. Right, he says, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. The works and the prayer go hand in hand. And what does he mean, in my name? Basically, he's like, he's saying, asking the things that I want you to ask, right? We're not going to ask for wickedness from the Lord and give that. But he says, the things that I have, I have called you to ask for, you ask for those things. What has he called us to ask for? Well, one example that you may know is he gave us a prayer, right? Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. You will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us what we need today. Forgive our sins. Forgive those who sin against us. Lead us away from temptation. Deliver us from evil. What is he saying that we pray? We pray that we would honor God. Hallowed be your name. He says, if you ask something in my name, I'll do it. That's what what it means, that we would honor God. That we would say, your kingdom come. All that prayer is holistic. That people would submit to Jesus as Lord. But that we would live in, in a world where it reflects God's kingdom where there is righteousness and justice. Beloved, that that we would care about personal holiness, right? Lead us away from temptation, deliver us from the evil one. Asking those things in his name and attempting to do the works that he did, we have a promise from him that he will display his works in us and answer our prayers. So that means we do not grow weary all of this, all of this is because he went to the Father. If you pay attention, he says, I'm going to the Father. What does it mean that he went to the Father? It means that he died on that cross. He is dying not because he deserves to die, he is dying because we deserve to die because of our sin. But he said, I will take that death. Not only did he die, but he rose. He rose again displaying God's power. He rose again being vindicated that he was not suffering because of his own sin. Because he rose, that power can be displayed in us. And that vindication that he gives, this declaration of innocence can be applied to us. And he ascended into heaven. Right? He is seated at the right hand of the Father where he has authority. All authority. That's the one we appeal to. The one who has all authority. All authority. And he has an intercession, meaning this, is that he carries our prayers straight to the throne of the Father. Because he went to the Father, because he died and rose and ascended, we can have hope. Our hearts do not have to be troubled. And what does all this cause us to do? It means that we, we are not pessimists that we respond to the present trouble with hope because we know the end. We know that Jesus will come back and that he will deliver. We respond to this present trouble through pressing into relationship with Jesus so that we can be anchored to the rock. It means we press into God through the means, through the ways he has given. We press into the scriptures. How can we cling to promises that we do not know, right? That's why we have a church-wide Bible reading plan that you can access right on your phone. We want to be saturated in the scriptures so that we can have faith in what he has said. We press into God through prayer. Beloved, if prayer is a struggle for you, right there Matthew 6, the Lord's Prayer, he provides you a pattern. Use that as a pattern. We press into God through community. The God's word would be spoken to me, and I would speak God's word to others. We have stability and hope because we can press into God now. And not only that, we respond to the present trouble through prayer and the works of Jesus. We pray consistently: Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We speak what is true about his word. Beloved, when we do the works of Jesus, they have to be local. What I mean is this. When you read the news, when you see the problems, you see complex national issues. But Jesus did works in one place that had ramifications for all eternity. And so the question is, what are the works of Jesus that we can do and welcome on the west side of Greenville? Whom can we show kindness to? Whom can we speak truth to? Whom can we lend an ear to? Whom can we pray for? Let us press into that. It is my prayer that we would be a church that would have hope Jesus is coming back. We would have hope because we know the Father through Jesus, and we would have hope because we have the power to do the works of Jesus. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I ask you that that you would be honored, that you would be glorified in your church, that you would provide hope for us, that you would enable us to speak the truth by the power of the Spirit, and Lord God, that we would do your work loving and serving those around us. It's in Jesus' name, amen.